0: Well, today we've got Rick and Bubba in studio. This is going to be one you don't want to miss. We're going to talk about their story, kind of where they come from, how they rose to the, the rank that they have in the, the radio and media industry. Uh, we hit on some Alabama politics and some, some tough topics there. And then as always, we dive into biblical manhood. You're not going to want to miss out. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and the host of this here podcast. Joined by a couple of guests that really need absolutely no introduction here in the great state of Alabama, but I will say it is uh, Rick Burgess and Bill Bubba Bussey from the Rick and Bubba Show. Guys, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us. We're fired up.
0: Very
2: glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I know you guys are busy, uh, and and you guys are kind of a big deal, so I I appreciate you coming in here on my podcast. Not that big. (laughs) Well, speaking of big, something has happened here. I don't know if you guys noticed it or not, but we now have the three sexiest fat men alive all in one room.
1: Wow. You know, this is almost like too much for anybody to take. Yeah,
0: probably. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely more
1: than the room (laughs) in the
2: studio. By by the attempts
1: to frame us, we're not exaggerating. That is
2: correct. Right, yeah. I think we've conquered the HVAC, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, so today we're going to talk about your guys' story. want to hear about how um, the Rick and Bubba show came to be. Uh, I love storytelling. I love getting to know people. Uh, I know people get to hear you guys on the radio all the time. I don't know how much people have really heard uh, about you guys. And so want to talk about that and then jump into some Alabama politics. Uh, and then if there's time, we always go into to biblical manhood and okay. fatherhood and stuff like that. So. Um, just to jump in, let's, um, let's talk, we'll start with you, Rick. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where were you born, where you grew up, your parents, that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, my mother labored, uh, on the West side of Birmingham, uh, in 1964. Uh, I came into the world on October the third and I lived in with my parents in Birmingham till I was six. Uh, my dad is a football coach, retired now, and, and uh, the Alabama Hall of Fame and all that. So, oh, wow. and, uh, and then uh, he w- we moved to Oxford, Alabama. Beautiful place. Uh, between uh, Birmingham and Atlanta. And grew up there from six years old to the time I left for college. Um, uh, went to college, uh, played football at Troy, uh, then left Troy and finished at Jacksonville State University. Uh, and then uh, when the show started in Gadsden, Alabama – Uh, uh, which we'll get into in 1994, but I came there in, like, 1993. And then uh, when they moved the show to Birmingham, uh, then uh, we have lived in Birmingham since 1998.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Alabama, and uh, grew up there, went to high school and college there, and uh, have worked in various radio stations and various uh, titles and jobs. The one that I didn't plan on being on was on the air because I had this terrible southern accent nobody wanted to hear. <laughs> yep. And uh, so I did a little bit of everything. And uh, really, my my formal training was in engineering. So I built and kept stations on the air. And that's where Rick and I kind of hooked up. There's a lot of backstory to that. We won't bore you with all those details. But I was the engineer in Gadsden at Q104, okay. WQEN and Wax, And we needed a morning show guy. And I asked if uh, they had considered Rick who was working in Oxford, who was, uh, an old friend from college. And, uh, they said, Hey, we don't have any contacts for Rick. Do you want to go talk to him? So, you know, most of the time the engineering staff's not sent out to negotiate (laughs) morning show talent. Yeah. But, uh, we tried to get Rick to come and he wanted too much money and that's uh, something I'm glad that Rick likes. And, uh, so, uh,
1: (laughs) You went on to love that. trait. Yeah, I did. I did. That's, that's, That's a better
2: trait than I thought at the time. And, uh, so uh, we, we didn't get Rick, but uh, then we had your dad playing for a national championship, Rick, and that's kind of where it changed.
1: Yeah, my, my dad coached um, in, in Birmingham at, at Banks High School with Shorty White, then Woodlawn uh, High School, and then he left Woodlawn to go to Oxford. Uh, that's where I went to high school, so I get to go around the country and so say I'm an Oxford graduate. Yes. Uh, and then he <laughs> got, took the job at Jacksonville State in 1985, right? Yeah, I, about I, I, uh, 85, 86. Um, and then uh, he um, – uh, somewhere around um, uh, 88, the, the program really turned uh, for the better. Uh, they had a, a – this was when you only played 10 games a year. Uh, but they went on a five-year run where they won 56 games, went to the national championship three times. Um, and the Gulf South Conference, they won multiple times. And so this was the last time they would get to play for a national championship because they were moving to 1AA after this. This is when Jacksonville State was Division II. Um, and so I, I asked the radio station I was working for, and, and I wanted to be in radio since I was a kid, so it's all I really cared about. So in college, Bub and I met at the campus station at Jacksonville State where we were both interested in radio, two different areas, uh, but now all that was about to cross. So uh, I asked the, the station I was working for if I could go to the national championship game to see dad coach, For the last time, Jacksonville State would play for a national championship as a Division II, and um, so um, they said no. Said you, you have a remote you got to do on that Saturday, and there's a cell company that wants you to be there. And I've been taught that work ethic, so I said, okay, I understand. I'll just listen to it and try to get home to hear the rest of it after the remote. Uh, And when I got there, uh, the guy with the cell. Company came out, and this is early days of cell phones, and Bubba had the only one in Calhoun County, I think. <laughs> and uh, he's at the game I had one it.
2: before Mike McCord, which yeah. was shocking to yeah, a lot of people.
1: So anyway, uh, the guy comes out and says, well, I can't believe you're here. I thought you'd be at the ball game." And I was like, what do you mean? I said, I'm here because you want me to be here or you weren't going to buy this remote, and I didn't want to cost the station money. He was like, no, this is co-op money. I was going to do it either way. I'm glad you're here, but anybody would have been fine. When I realized then the station Never even asked the guy. Yeah. You know, and so uh, Jacksonville State goes on to win the national championship, um, and I wasn't there. Uh, the rest of my family was there, and Bubba was there because uh, he was doing the Jacksonville State Network at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. it was very
2: fledgling yeah. early days of that, yeah. and we were organizing that, and I was excited because I thought we're going to get to spend several days with Rick up there, you yeah. know, and we'll get to goof off and have a little fun. And yep. he didn't get to come, so we win the game, and I'm on the field celebrating and Mrs. Burgess wants to call Rick, and I let her use my <laughs> cell phone. Now, it was as big as like a, a small lunchbox. It's bigger than these cameras. Yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was giant. It was that Motorola right. thing that had yeah. the, the cradle on the top, and he's talking to his mom and all that. And I, I told Rick when I got the phone back, I said, hey, if you are working for us, you'd be here right now. And I think that's what got him. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I went back and towed the station where I was working, <laughs>
1: You know, and and you know, and the Q104 was the station where Bubba was out of Gadsden, legendary station. It's now 103.7, the Q in Birmingham. You know, when they moved yeah. it, it in, but it was in Gadsden as Q104, which we listened to growing up, and loved it. And uh, both of us had such a love for radio that that station was so legendary to us. Yeah, uh, considering where we grew up, and um, so I, I just made the decision that I, I at that time I was on the air and selling. And Q104, you know, said you can come here. We'll pay you the same thing just to be on the air, which I had never experienced in radio. Just to be able to be on the air, which is was my first love anyway. Yeah. And uh, I told the station where I was at that I'm gonna I'm gonna look at new new places. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the station where Bubba was, where the engineer. And then in uh, '93, we goofed around on the air, and and I remember the general manager was like why do you keep bringing the engineer in and talking to him on yeah, the that's air? that's not normal. And I was like, well, we went to college together. We grew up at rival high schools, and I'm, I'm in here dying. I mean, yeah. you know, the station had really fallen off, sadly. Yeah. And this is when the big FM country stations had risen to the top, and this station, I think they even had technical problems. They weren't at a yeah. 100% yeah. power, and they were still playing top 40 music, and they were, yeah. getting, they were getting beat up pretty bad. So um, – one day, he and I were having lunch, and um, we started talking about ideas for the show. And we had some book that you had found, in, or I had. I don't know who found it. I think
2: it. it was your book. Well, yeah. we, we were talking about Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and how funny that, makes sense. that yeah. it would be normal, or, normal yeah. Yeah, yeah, for a normal conversation at yeah. lunch. Yeah, uh, yeah for Oxford somebody who, who had a <laughs> southern accent to, to be an expert in, quote, Shakespeare. Yeah. And Rick was going to do it. The the plan was for Rick to do it, yeah. Well, and the, I would
1: read Shakespeare as a Southerner
2: yeah. on the air.
1: And we found some book that had Shakespeare. Yeah, well it, it was yeah. your
2: book because yeah. I didn't have it. Yeah. And uh, w- I'm in the studio with Rick, and I mean literally 30 seconds before we get get back, and he was going to do that. He slides it over to me and says, "You read it. You sound more Southern than I do." Yeah, which you is, sound like Uncle That's Bubba. a lot of work. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Came pretty natural for me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so I read it, and we're having fun with it. We think it's funny, and and again, we'd been threatened several times at that point, but we were just having fun yeah. goofing off, you know, like most engineers and morning show people do. <laughs> and um, and I, I'll never forget. It was you know a week or so after that, one of the yeah. salespeople come in, and they literally were selling ten dollar commercials at the time. Oh,
1: yeah, it was bad.
2: And Jeez. she holds up this contract and says. I have a company that will pay $40 a commercial if it's Rick and Bubba doing it. Wow. And uh, that started coming in. Yeah, Yeah. You know, shout out to Express Oil. Thank you. So uh, they love those guys. They, uh, you know, at that point, uh, the general manager quickly said, look, I've got an idea. Y'all two are going to do the morning show. I'm getting another engineer. Right and thus <laughs> thus was launched the modern day version of the Rick yep. and Bubba show although wow. it was part time for a, for a bit yeah. yeah he was coming in like a
1: character and then we decided in January of 94 we will go on the air as a two man show Rick and Bubba and it's 28 years and 8 months later and here we are Golly.
0: You I'm know, so my, glad I
2: asked this question because I, I love you guys, and I didn't even know the story. Yeah. So this is my, great. Yeah. My reservation about doing it was, you know, I was I was knocking down a lot of jackets. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, I was I was in line to break 21 that year. And uh, <laughs> so when Rick said, look, we need to do this full time. And I remember I told Rick, I said, I don't think I'm going to be funny more than two days a week. And Rick has reminded me several times since then. I've pretty much held true to that. <laughs> yeah, But uh, you, it is rare in our business, yeah. I think, for us to, for anybody yeah. to stay together this long. Oh, no, yeah. it is, yeah. And, and obviously, there's obviously, okay, there are people with a lot more talent than us. Oh, yeah. But That's painfully obvious. W- we keep showing up. Yep. And and yep. if we have a talent, I've always said that we we can be there when the bell rings. Yeah, and that's 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 where our
1: consistency. Yeah,
2: yeah, that I think it has been
1: it. It's been consistent. I mean, we 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 get there. We get there. We never got to the point where. You know, well, they may be here, they may not. They're, yeah. I mean, we, we if we don't do anything else, you can depend on us. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, and getting we're up de- early is tough. I yeah. mean, a lot of, to,
2: like I say, a lot of these talented people just couldn't do it. I mean, eventually it just got to yeah, it. Yeah, to, to be as big as you guys are and to
0: still show up on the morning show the way that you guys do day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade at this point, yeah. to not let it get to your heads and be like, you know what, I'm just going to sleep in today and yeah. just to show up. So that probably has a lot to do with work ethic, talk to you you know, early on. and. Oh yeah
2: um, well yeah. Rick's, Rick had a football coach, dad, and yeah. I had my dad fought in World War II. I'm kind of laid on the tree. so yeah. I mean, he was a World War II veteran. So, so there you, go. So, you know, he wasn't really big it. on on, you know not keeping up with your commitments yeah, and, right. and not being on time. But I, I think too, the longevity factor uh, of this is the way we do what we do. And it's probably hurt us growing the show nationally to a Hannity or a Limbaugh level. But because they want you to be in a genre, they want you to be news. They want you to be politics. They want you to be sports. They want you to be Christian pick one. one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, while we cover all of those, I think if we'd have just done one, we would have been burned burned out out by now. So, you know, sports in the off season, the football here is kind of tough Honestly, Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we we kind of do what I call back porch radio, what yeah. people talk yeah. about on their back porch, keeps it fun for us, and that keeps us showing. Keeps it. you going. So
0: <clears throat> my assessment, so I
2: work in radio. I started
0: in radio eight years ago, and I would got a job as an affiliate relations person, which it's my job to take content you know, produced by a network and then take it to terrestrial radio stations and say, hey, you need to carry the show. Yeah. That's why I hit you guys up early on um, seven years ago, like a year after I'd been here. I started really jumping into radio, you know, assessing content, seeing who was who. Steve Dace was the first guy I worked with. Rusty Humphreys worked with some other, you know, kind of bigger names. Um, But, you know, not quite the, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh level. But, you know, decent guys that are doing really well. At least Steve Dace is doing really well right now. Um, But when I listened to your guys' show, your guys' show made me fall in love with radio and the potential of it. You guys are obviously the biggest radio show in the Southeast. Probably you and Paul Feinbaum. As far as reach and I don't know, you know, revenue and all those things, but um I would say it's the best show, and I'm not just buttering you guys up because you're here in the studio with me. Don't apologize yeah. for making us feel good. No, no, we, love yeah, we love <laughs> butter. We love butter I thought about saying that. We're getting sweaty in here. We might need some butter. <laughs> but uh but but in all seriousness, you guys, um, and I'll just kinda of give you my assessment uh, as a as a as a radio guy on my end, uh, who's now doing this, but um, the the production, the theater, the mind that you guys create. I remember when I first saw you for the first time. I'm like, that is not who I thought they were. Like, you, your guys are. Just, and, you know, I mean, not that you're not in person, but on the radio, it's just larger than life personality. And, yeah. You know, you you tap into theater of the mind. You know how to use the medium well. Um, your guys is you know production and your your bumper music and you know the the thing about the sexiest fat men alive, the uh, pencil pencil pushing program directors yeah, that don't like cool, cool. us and all those things. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, I completely fell in love with radio and was, was just blown away by it. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that you guys, if I had to classify you as one, um, you would be closer in, in my mind. And again, I could be wrong to a, a political news talk show. Cause you guys hit politics. We heavy do. We do. And you do it through a Christian worldview, which I think is amazing. But the fact that you do what could be equated, what most people, if they just did a quick assessment, would be is a a political news talk show. And you do it on country music stations, which is just unreal because the goal for every media outlet is to get out of, you know, us two, to get out of just talking to people who care about politics and start talking to the people. Yeah. And so we want to reach the people of Alabama. And you guys have figured out how to create content that goes beyond just the people who are news junkies that are just sitting there watching Fox News all day. You're reaching the guys that are out there skinning deer, and, and and you know, and going fishing, and like the people, uh, specifically of Alabama, and, and probably all over uh, wherever you guys are heard. So, um, I think it's great, um, and you know, you guys helped me fall in love with radio, which launched me down the media path, and now I'm doing this. So,
2: it's a great, it's a great medium. It really it is really as far really as is. connecting with people, and um, you know, it, it's back to the back porch thing, and Rick's referred to it as cookout talk to yeah, same thing. you know when you go with your family to a cookout or a get together if you, if you just sit there and wrote down the topics that yeah. everybody covered it would be a wide range you're going to yeah. handle news you're going to cover sports you're probably going to get into some religious discussions yeah um and and you know some of it is uh is funny and some of it's more factual and and sometimes you may have an argument on your hands but yeah. you always want to go back to the family get together because you had a good time yeah
1: yeah, it's it's like you're talking about, and I don't mean this negative. I'm just talking about. I think you're right. I think even though we talk a lot about politics, we and, and Rush Limbaugh was really good at this. The thing that made me love Rush Limbaugh was. That he also was very clever. He was very funny. Yeah. Uh, he he would had no problem sticking his tongue firmly in his cheek yeah. while remaining yeah. deadpan that he was being serious, but you know he really isn't. Yeah. I hope, I hope yeah. we knew that. Yeah. At you could yeah. read that, and yeah. that was part of yeah. the
2: of the communication yeah. with yeah. him that made you feel close to. Yeah. It, because
1: you know? I, speaking of experience, I wasn't very interested in politics because every presentation I'd heard of it was so boring. And it was so negative. It's like I was like, man, I just can't keep listening to this same yeah. diatribe over and over again. And then I then he came on the radio. Yeah. And I was like, now this guy sounds like a radio guy who just happens to be talking about politics, yep. having
2: fun and having yep.
1: fun. And uh, certainly he influenced a lot of people, and and he certainly influenced us. But I I think that's it. We do talk about things that matter. But we try to keep it fresh and fun, yeah, so that it doesn't just sound like it's like somebody, you know, like a yeah, the same noise over and over again. And to Bubba's like you're point, you're being waterboarded. yeah. Like, yeah. And, and and like Bubba, <laughs> Bubba said earlier, like, and or you know, give me a new take on this thing. You have said the same thing over and over yeah. again. What's uh, either say it different or or Make or, or do something. something. But we uh uh, but but I think Bubba's point. I not only do I think that's what. Helps the audience and sometimes confuses and makes salespeople and syndicators' yeah. lives harder. Yeah. But I think, as far as the audience and the people doing the show, it's kept both of us in the game. Yeah. Because if we if we didn't have the
0: variety, yeah, I think we would be done with it. I yeah. think we'd be burned out on it. Well, um, I love it, and I'm I'm grateful that that is the approach y'all have taken. And mm-hmm. and again, my favorite thing about I mean, again, there's a ton of things I love about your show is the fact that. You know, Christ is king on your guys' radio show, and you don't shy away from that. And, you, got to. you know, yeah. um, and it, but, it, but you do that without it turning into a religious broadcast. Yeah. Right? It, if you and if get that's pigeonholed, a, then yeah. you're just stuck on K Love or religious teaching.
1: And right? I remember the first time, you know, I can't remember. I think it was Bubba, you who said it when we got to this point, because we first started was it show, something real smart. I, it, I'll take well, it. Well, it, it, <laughs> it, was an engineer. It, it was relatively smart. Uh, and that was that we, no, we, when, when we first came on the show, uh, I, I was I was a cultural Christian and then then became had had an encounter uh, mm. with God that radically changed my life and I and I repented and I came under his authority. And of course I still had a lot of and still have a lot of sanctification process that's going, but I remember the show trying to sometimes we overcomplicate things. Yeah. And what we've always said about our show is where Seinfeld was a show about nothing, ours is a show about anything. Mm. Well, and I think it was you who said it, if if we're really truly telling the truth and we tell everybody the show is a stream of consciousness, we're not pretending, this is as real as you can be doing the show, we are who yeah. we are. Yeah. And we really talk about what we find interesting, and we hope you do too. Yeah. Well, if that's true, you can't make a declaration that the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life is my redemption in Christ and then never talk about it. Yeah. And it doesn't have any impact on what you're saying. It doesn't, you know, what you're saying doesn't filter through that view. Then, then you're lying about the importance. Amen. And and so, if your show really is open and this is who we are, how can that not be part of it? Yeah. And uh, now, there's like you said, there's some fine lines. And and I tell people all the time on the faith part, would it be easier probably if we just said, look, we're going over into Christian radio and we're going to leave all this secular stuff. It would probably be easier not to have those days where you sit in your office and go, man, I messed that up. That didn't yeah. – what I said today and how I said it, that, that didn't really that, – that was not Christ-honoring. Um, but because you do have to go – every day you get up and you walk that line, and we pray about it before the show, protect us from our biggest enemy, ourselves, mm. and help us to maneuver through these really dicey waters of being in the world but not of the world. And sometimes we, we hit that balance right – and frankly, sometimes we don't, but, um, uh, but you're right to try to pick those times till you drop it in for impact building. What we say is when we do the entertainment part of the show to earn the right to talk yeah. about our faith, Amen. uh, we don't come out and, and say that, you know, we haven't earned the right. We try to connect, which back to this medium, you know, I, I love TV. I watch TV, but I never feel like I know the people on TV, Yeah. but I always have felt like I knew the guy on the radio yep. or the woman on the radio. And so I think in, the, in, the, when you're in radio and you're in these podcasts and it's, it's the, it's the audio part of it and you're just listening and you don't even see the people talking. There's a connection to that person that only that medium produces. And, and so it gets personal. And so what we try to say is we respect that it's personal. So yes, this is very important to us, but we're going to earn the right to get a chance to tell you this because it can change your life too. Amen. Uh, and that's
0: kind of the way we do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's such a, just such a cool thing because for whatever reason, media is broken up into, you know, you got angry conservatives talking to other angry conservatives <laughs> right. about how angry and conservative they are. <laughs> you got Christians preaching to Christians or you got, you know, K-Love, just Christians singing to soccer moms to them. They're not saved if they don't send in their 20 bucks, whatever, you know. Wow. that's, <laughs> that's uh, That was him, not us. <laughs> no i i guess when it it hits the uh the uh the however long the fundraising thing is and i was like turn the music back on yeah but um well i mean
2: to to a lost world um if if you're super dry yeah and Mm -hmm. i mean i it's a hard sale you know i mean and we're not trying to be fake in it but but we are happy people we're fun people and uh you know we that all starts with knowing your eternity, yeah. Amen. you know, because I, I honestly, I don't know how you get in a car every day without that settled. I'm, I can't, that's not yep. the way I'm built. Right. Um, but after that, we have a lot of freedom and yep. we want to enjoy that freedom, not, not abuse it. And that's another line that, yep. uh, we're working on that too. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> well, um, so how do you know
0: how many stations are you guys on? You know, you, as you know, since you've been in this business,
1: the industry has changed so much when you get to terrestrial stations yeah. and then you got your streaming apps and then you got your YouTube channel and you got your podcast. Uh, but as far as terrestrial stations, yeah. which I think is what you're asking, yeah. uh, it, it varies wildly. But I think somewhere right now, Bubba, it's anywhere from 60 to maybe 70. Yeah, yeah that's a
2: good area to land yeah, on because yeah, you, you always have some come and go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the way these groups are are forming now, it's not it's a little more difficult to move through those than you used to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we see a big growth area in streaming and all that. Now, I, I love terrestrial radio. Oh, that, yeah. is, that is oh, yeah. classification point A but I'm glad now we have an avenue to get the show to people that don't have that option. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, if someone doesn't listen to what we do or watch, I want it to be their decision. Yeah. And, and look, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I got it. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't want it to, to be there that they can't listen or watch because it's someone else's decision. Yeah. And that's what we try. To yeah. Partner.
1: When you have programmers standing between you and the people, yeah. That can get so frustrating. Oh yeah. And then they'll say, Well, we'll put the show on, but we'll only play half of it. And then we have to get all the emails. How come we don't get the whole show? You yeah. know? And it just it and we love terrestrial radio. That that is our heartbeat. That's what we were sitting in our our bedrooms listening to when we were kids and staring at that stereo and just being enamored with it. But when we started out just as a local show, we we said, We got to get in the syndication business or get replaced by it. Yeah, and then when streaming came along, we said we got to get in the streaming business or get replaced by that. Right. So we yeah. like to have a a foot in all of it. Yeah, you um, have to. But uh, but that's the number somewhere on terrestrial okay. in, that comes and goes. And so I mean,
2: clearly, it should be seven hundred. Yeah, right, but right, right. you know, and you
1: know, if but, you're still looking to maybe syndicate well, this,
2: <laughs> you're talking my language. No. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I think um, one of the things that was interesting in the terrestrial radio because I kind of came on right when this idea of doing video podcasts, which is essentially video radio like kind of like what we're doing right now, which is is. different. But, and I remember when, when it uh, it came up and, and everyone was like, that's, that's ridiculous. No one wants to, you know, and then, yeah. And and I remember Steve Dace when he went on to Blaze TV because he was at USA Radio Networks and then he yeah. went over. Yeah. To, it was actually CR TV, right? Yeah, right uh, yeah. With Mark Levin when combine, that started. Yep. Yeah, and they combined the two. And he went over there and he was like, well, we're going to do this video podcasting thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> and now I absolutely love, you know, um, what what they've got going it's, on over there. So are you guys on Blaze yeah, TV Yeah, we're on Blaze
1: TV too. Yeah. We have a relationship with them and they actually are a big player in all of our streaming uh, as far as, you know, monetizing yeah. it. And then they play an hour of the show on... On Blaze TV, too, every day, and um, you know, it's um, you know, let's be in all of it, but yeah. but, but you're right. But it, I remember when it first came out, and I was laughing, you know, I love yeah. Babylon Bee, the satire yeah. site. And they said, He that, really loves it. Well, it's, they said it's gotten to the point now where podcasters are mainly doing a podcast to other podcast hosts, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But I mean, but but if, if, if yeah, if, 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 if we're all interviewing each other about each other's podcast, what but but what I'm talking about is. But then I started listening. You got to pay attention. Yeah. And the first time that I heard my sister, who who lives in in our uh, home market, and she was like, um, "I just love every day." She's a teacher, listening to the show on the podcast archives on the way home. I was like, "What?" I said, "You you have an affiliate. Why don't you just listen to it on the way to work?" She goes, "Well, man, it's crazy." And I do do that some, but I miss so much of the show. What I like to do is when I'm I'm done with everything and on the way home. I pull up the archives hmm. and I catch so much more of the show on the way home. So that's when it's, when I start to realize that people that even have access yeah. to all the platforms,
0: watching the ones they're choosing, yeah, you really got to pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's hard to keep up with. Everything's yeah. changing so fast. Like a studio like this would have cost, you know, like several uh, hundred thousand dollars, you know, not that yeah. long ago. And now it's actually very affordable. So. Yeah. So we'd like to say, like Bubba said, if you don't listen to the show, it's because you can't get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There no,
0: you go. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> it, it means it's not because you can't get
0: it. Yeah. You know, you just don't want it. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, and that's something that I'm obviously wrestling with, trying to figure out the best, you know, distribution, distribution, dissemination. We're creating the content. What's the best way to get it out there? Oh, yeah. right. All these different,
1: and different then you mediums. got to monetize it. or Everybody's gonna shut you down. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. If you can't pay the power bill, what you yeah. got to say <laughs> really doesn't yeah. matter. Distribution I mean, becomes uh, much more challenging. Yeah, and the
1: tech and the technology always gets out ahead of the ability to monetize to it. Remember yeah. Napster? Yeah, you know, it, hey, we can all get this music, and then everybody's like, whoa, whoa, but nobody's paying for it. Yeah, and now they finally caught up, and that's where you have you know iTunes and. And yeah. Apple and all that. Now people are are paying for it, but they still love the technology. And so you're always you're always able to do the technology before you figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. But
0: it always catches up. One of the things too, I think, and and I'm now probably just rambling off into my own little world of things that I'm just get to talk to you guys about. But you know, one of the most powerful um, monetization tools in media, point blank period. The reason I think radio is king and was king for so long, uh, and will be, you know, I think in the foreseeable future is is the host testimonial. And I think it's like you said, yeah, you, you see the t- people on TV, but they've got all the makeup and the, you know, you don't, it doesn't connect, but you yeah. connect with those people on the radio. And when you've earned the trust of the, your listeners over years and you go on there and you say, Hey, you know, you need to go and buy this master built smoker. I just used it this weekend. Yeah. And oh my goodness. I mean, I immediately, every time you guys say you need to go buy
2: something, you know, because <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, the,
0: the world runs off. I know a guy, right? So if if a, if a tree falls down on somebody's driveway and your neighbor comes over and is like, hey, I know a guy that cuts up trees. You'd be like, well, actually, I'm going to go to my phone book and look up triple. No, you're no gonna, you wouldn't. You're going to yeah, go to the guy right. that knows a guy, right? Well, 100%, and, yeah. and so you guys earning the trust and, and then doing those things, to me, it is the most powerful thing, monetization tool in media. And I think it transfers over into some of this new podcasting stuff. Oh,
1: no no doubt about it. That's, that's, uh, you almost see, I tell people this all the time, radio and what we're doing, it really isn't moving in the future. It's going back to its past Mm. because when we were growing up, I actually, one of the first shows I ever did in radio, it was just a little two hour talk show on the, on the local AM station. And what was every single commercial I was holding a piece of paper and I would be talking. I said, Now, look, while well, I got a minute, I want to tell you what Martha's doing over at Weaver Fabric. Yeah. Today, she's got these new fabrics in, and she told me to tell you all to go by there. And so, what's happening. She appreciates the shout out today. Right. And then we went into, you know, <laughs> you must go to the commercial break, and it's all recorded yeah. commercials. Well, now it's coming back, and everybody's realizing what yeah. you just said. Yep. The personal testimony endorsement of the host is king. King, and uh, and what you're finding out is, I mean, like the ones who have been with us, they've been with us, yeah, many for many years. years. Yeah. They yeah. won't give up that spot, no, because they know what you said. We've yeah. established the relationship with the audience. We've established it through the host, and that's the most sought after spot that we have available. Yep, and I think it, and that's what it. That's how you will monetize podcasts yep. and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yep, well, good stuff. All right, well, let's jump from media and radio to politics here we go here Well, we've covered that a time here we go. Uh, huh so here at 1819 our goal our vision you know that was the year that alabama was established, as established. i've heard that? You know that i've heard yeah. that <laughs> just won't let you in on that i don't
2: know where y'all grabbed those yeah. numbers from yes
0: um you'd be surprised it's actually about 50 50 so people are like what is that and then other people are like oh you know and so Not strange much. coincidence yes. I yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's good um so at 1819, our, our goal, our vision um, was that we believe so many people get caught up so much in the national Fox News politics of things that they don't realize that, you know, the things that are closest to them are the ones that are touching them the most. And it's what seems to matter the least. And so we saw the, you know, the problems that we had in Alabama from, you know, AL.com being who they are. Um, Some of the other publications that are supposed to not be them. So you got the radical left outlet that's constantly shaming us, telling us we're just a bunch of no good, dirty rednecks. Right. You know, and then over here you have these outlets that are supposed to. We hear you know, that quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Anytime they do a story about the show, we just look at the comments underneath, and buddy, we get railed. Yeah. Hey Amen. It means you're uh, you're over the target. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so then you got publications that are that are that are not that. So they're supposed to be decidedly not that. But they're essentially bought and paid for by all the C6s and lobbying groups down there in Montgomery that are destroying our state. And so they're not fixing to do any real investigative journalism, right? And so we found this kind of fertile ground in the middle that was, you know, real journalism in the state hasn't been done since kind of the Brett Blackledge, Eddie Curran, you know, days of when the Birmingham News was the real deal. And the Huntsville Times, the Mobile Press Register was the real deal. And they had excellent, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning reporters that were actually serving not just their market, but the investigative journalism they did serve the entire state um, those those publications, if it wasn't for dear Abby, they wouldn't have anything. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Dear Abby. And that's all they got. And so, um, and so it's, it's fertile ground. And so we, we wanted to come in and, and fill that spot and do real reporting, uh, to serve the people. The radical leftists have their media outlet. The, the lobbying groups have their outlet and now the people have their outlet. And that's kind of our vision. And so, um, with that, I wanted to talk to you guys about the state of Alabama politics. We can talk, you know, Trump getting raided and all that stuff, and it's all ridiculous, but I always want to bring people back to what's going on in Alabama. We just came off of a quadrennium, you know, all the different people getting elected, um, big United States Senate, um, run, uh, legislative session, all these things. What, what is your guys' kind of feeling on the state of Alabama politics?
2: Richard, would you like to start? Well, you know, the
0: the, the I will, I
1: know this. My my wife was uh, part of a group called Allied Women that that the Alabama Policy Institute. Gary Palmer, you know, he, yeah. he he was correct when he was there that if you want to sit, get some real networking, put women on it and, yeah. and watch them go. And uh, so this is when you know the gambling lobby was trying to come in and take over, and we pushed back and and all that. And and she discovered during that time. Doing a lot of research on our our state politics, that we are one of the most corrupt states in the entire union. Uh, sometimes we make Washington look like a, a walk through the park. Yeah, and there's just a stronghold of this corruption that has been gripping uh, this state for decades. Both parties, yeah, both parties. Democrat, it was yeah, bad. No, Republican, right, it's, right. Spoken, it's and, bad. And uh, so I think something has to be done about that. And I know some people personally. Of course, you know they get kind of burned out. That are in there fighting for that, and yeah. uh, you know, Rich Wingo is a dear friend of of ours, and and that now that's a fighter. You know, okay. and he's been there representing Tuscaloosa, and he's he's he he, he he was a big player, in everything we're seeing with the abortion bill that even some, yeah. you know this may go the so in front of the Supreme Court too, and and a lot of other things. But I think the people of Alabama, in my opinion, and I've been just as guilty of this. Is it? It just seems like you may talk about you want to change things, but there doesn't really seem to be any real desire to it. When, yeah. it, when it comes time to do something, yeah. the people of Alabama seem to always hang on to familiar. Yeah, uh, it's almost like it scares them not to hang on to familiar. Then they complain about these people that are so familiar, and 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 and, 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 and that that part boggles my mind just a yeah. little bit. Uh, but I think that. uh there needs to be a. The people of Alabama have got to demand more transparency uh, in uh, out of Montgomery. I, yeah. I, and I, I'm like you. I think sometimes we don't care enough about it in our personal lives because we get so caught up in the what's going on federally. Yeah. And there's a there's plenty there. Yeah. But um, it's almost like uh, if it's somebody I'm familiar with, I'm sure everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And and sometimes I think that maybe we need to do. A little more researching on what's going on in our own state yeah
2: you know I this gray hair that I've got uh, I've been around a while so I I actually remember when we were a Democrat controlled state Mm -hmm. I remember Governor Wallace Um, I I saw that transition through the Charlie Graddick you know big blow up that we had that really turned the state Republican in a very short amount of time and um, I remember I've told Rick several times I remember my mother came in and said well you know, my granddad would probably roll over in his grave. I, I voted Republican for the president yeah. when Ronald Reagan was running for the very first time. And, uh, you know, I, it's, we certainly have our problems, but I, I think we have some bright spots too that we yeah. can be proud of. And, uh, uh, you know, we love our state. I, I, I think it's great. Uh, I know we get made fun of a lot of times in national media. Uh, if you look at who's making fun of us, that usually Doesn't gives hurt. you a little Doesn't insight to too it. But, yeah, you know, we like it here. I, I, I don't want too many people to move here and ruin it for us, yeah. you know? So, yeah. uh, but, uh, th- there's, there's good <laughs> and bad and, uh, transparency is always good. Yeah. So anytime we can have that, I think that's, that's very wise. Yeah. I think the, um, just the idea that, uh,
0: we, we, we watched kind of the, the Fox news drama that it's really a theater almost. And Joe Biden is the villain, you know, and whatever Republican is the hero. And then it kind of puts these glasses on that Republicans are heroes and that Democrats are evil. And then they look at Montgomery just for a few seconds, just to check up. And it says Republican all the way down the ballot. And they're like, Oh, we're good. We, we can't figure this out. And there's not a lot of free information out there about what's going on in Montgomery. That's one of the problems that we wanted to solve. Um, and I think um, having ha- having access to the information will allow them to to get more involved because it really it didn't exist. And that was one of the things people would come and ask us, like, well, where can I look? How can I you know, how do I find out what's going on? Well, well, the people in Montgomery don't want you to have it. Right? <laughs> right, and so right. so that and it's kind of planned. And, and when they do look down there, the only thing you see is like a press re- release from Will Ainsworth or K. Joe Biden, this Joe Biden, that Joe, it's like, well, well, Joe Biden, isn't the one with a 1.6, you know, billion dollar surplus. That's not going back to the people that's going to all his friends. You know, Joe Biden, isn't the one that, you know, keeps bringing gambling in year after year after year with the most corrupt gambling legislation anybody has ever seen in the history of ever. And that was one of the things that really shocked and blew my mind. um, When I started looking into this is that they were wanting to emblazon the names of the people who have been running casinos in the state illegally for 30 years, they wanted to take them, hand them an exclusive license to run these gambling establishments, full blown gambling establishments in perpetuity, and emblazon their names into the Constitution. And then and then run that out to us like it's an educational lottery bill. Like, oh man, these scratch tickets are gonna send these kids to school, man. These oh, scratch yeah. tickets. Man, you don't want people to ask you. Don't you don't you don't want Tina to go to school, do you? Because it's scratch tickets. And it's like, yeah, but it's connected to this whole other thing right. that no one's talking about.
1: Well, I, I, we've said this many times because, like I've been part of a lot of the pushback every time this has yeah. been tried on this topic. And I think the thing that that Alabamians don't seem to grasp the ones who are treating it so casually. Yeah is if if these people who want access to the state in the gambling industry, if they get what they want, we won't have Republicans and Democrats anymore. Yeah. We'll have the gambling party, yeah. and that'll be it. Yep. Because they've got big checks, and I, I, hate, I don't know how to shock everybody here. People with yeah. R's by their name will take a check just like with D's by their name. Yeah, buddy. And they will come in here, and they will buy this place, and they will be they'll do whatever they want to do and whatever they want whenever they want it is what they're going to get. Yeah. So it's bigger, back to the skin and we deal with this on the show sometimes when people call in from Alabama about this, all they hear is you don't want us to be able to gamble. Why can't we gamble if we want to gamble? Why are we leaving the state to go gamble? And I we always say it's bigger than that. Yeah. It's so much you don't understand what's going to happen to this state if you let these people in at yep. the level they want in. Yep. And I think there there needs to be um, a, a better job of educating the alabamians what it's it's not just down to you Christians don't want to have gambling here and all of us don't believe what y'all want to we want to gamble what business is of yours it's a little bigger than that yeah no you bad. know and 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 it's um, uh, it, it is whether this state's going to be run by the gambling lobby or not yeah and that's a biggie
2: and you know? I think too you have to look at the states around us that have done this has it solved all their problems? Because we always hear, "Hey, it's yeah. gonna solve. We're gonna have teachers' pay where we want it. <laughs> We're gonna have facilities. We got the scholarship, everything." The sales of what they're telling us versus the reality of what's happening around us doesn't always match up. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I think, and they got <clears throat> big chicks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, it's funny to watch their strategy. It's like, cause it's like when you, you know, you're Bill Belichick and you're looking at the other guy's playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll be here all year. <laughs> yeah. um, so you you, you you get you get a hold of their playbook and you take a look at it and you start to see the plays that they're running. You're like, they're running the same end around on us every time. And I've identified it's the gambling end around that they're using in every other area. So they're like, hey, think of all the money the state's losing because people are going across state lines. The they're time. going across state lines and they're doing it anyway. We might as well legalize it here so we can regulate it because they're already doing it. I mean, people are already doing it and then they're going across state lines, right. losing all this right. money. Um, so we just need to legalize it, regulate it, tax it, and give the money to education. And everyone's like, well, that, that sounds great. That's brilliant. That's actually, it makes a lot of sense because they don't understand the yeah. evil that's, that's right. over there. And so, so they bring in marijuana. So here comes marijuana and they're like, you know, people are smoking weed anyway. Right. You know, people are going across state lines to buy their weed anyway. We might as well legalize it, regulate it, and then we'll give the money to education. People are like, oh, God, that makes a ton of sense. It's brilliant. <laughs> right. And I joke, and it's, it's really not that funny that they're going to come in with abortion now, because right now we have the strongest abortion law in the state or in in the country. Right. Right. And, and they accidentally did it. And Terry Collins is already trying to go back on it and and add all these exceptions. And so I'm like, man, y'all campaigned on the the strongest pro-life legislation in the country. Y'all, y'all all all campaigned on it. Y'all got reelected on that. And now you guys are trying to back out of it. And I see them running that same play be like, well, you know, people are going across state lines to get abortions. You know, we, you know, we might as well just legalize it, regulate it, and we could, we could take the money and give it to education. I mean, Well, you
2: know, if we if we follow that strategy out, so many people are leaving the state, maybe we need toll roads coming yeah, in. There you you go. know, we could make <laughs> yeah. it all back. We could get well, money on all of them. That well, way, it, right? gets, it gets absurd. <laughs> we talked about it on the show
1: one time. I, well, what's the next? We're going to legalize prostitution yep. and, and our slogan will be do it for the kids? Do it for the kids. Yeah. I mean, exactly as right. long as it's for the kids, yeah, I mean... teen has got to go to college. You know, people gotta, are leaving hey, here you know. to go see prostitution uh, in other <laughs> states. So it we might as well legalize it and tax it here and give it to
0: the kids. Yep. Yeah. And and you look at the education. Where have you been problem. all weekend? Trying to help kids. Yeah. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. right. Trying to help them. Yeah. Right. So, and then you look at the education thing, and I'll end on this, and we'll go into something more fun to talk about. Um, but uh, what I think is going to be, is the other really looming big problem that we're going to have uh, in Alabama, and you guys may disagree with me on that, and we can have one of those conversations that you talked about, alluded to earlier, um, is... Um, you have this education thing, and everyone talks about we need more money for education. We need more money for education. AEA, we need more money for education. The teachers aren't getting paid. So we we take Gobb's money, we throw it over in education, and then it and it gets swallowed up by the bureaucratic redundancy of the superintendents and all these other people. The money never makes it to the teachers. The teachers complain to the AEA. The AEA goes and uses the teachers because everybody loves teachers and they should. Teachers are great they they complain, they go and say, well, I got to get my teachers paid. So they throw more money on it. The bureaucratic redundancy eats it up. They're still poor. The classrooms still have no money. We still need pencils. Teachers are still buying, you know, tissues and, and, and paper and, and pencils. And it's just this constant thing. And I think that is the AEA's strategy. And I think that the AEA that used to run the state, first I'll tee it up a little bit further. The NEA, which is a radical left, basically communist movement,
2: yeah. you know, National Education Association, um, they with, don't reflect classroom teachers in Alabama for the most part. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, but they're the, forced to be a part. Exactly.
0: Of that. That's the ticket. And so you have the NEA and then you have the AEA, which is a subset of that same group. And then the AEA under Paul Hubbard essentially ran the state in the same way we're talking about the gambling lobbies running yeah, the state. Absolutely. Paul Hubbard ran the state. Can I
2: tell you, since yes. you brought that up, because I, I saw this firsthand, I, I was a guest at, uh, down at the Capitol and, uh, was in while they were doing some voting, watching what was going on. And what they were voting on was nothing to do with education. It was something very trivial. Uh, And the best I recall, they were voting to stripe the parking lot, something to that effect. And when that bill came up on the floor, so many of our legislators looked up, to the AEA representative, yeah. and he told them what basically what to yeah. do. I mean, I saw that firsthand. Yes, and I've heard those stories. And, and, the and I'm like, Caesar from the- yeah, yeah. I'm like, what does the AEA, which is the teachers' union, have to do with stripping the parking lot outside? I mean, I don't even know why. Why are you even concerned with that? Yeah, but they they get their tentacles in any anything, yeah. even a good cause can yeah. get out of their you know get yeah. out of their box and get into too many things and. You know, part of human nature is we always want to dictate what everybody else does. So, um, you know, when I saw that, I thought there's something inherently wrong with what we're doing here. Yeah, we we actually said, I think,
1: which it may be where you were going, because it sounds very similar to what we said. We proposed something on the show called The Classroom First. Yeah. And what we proposed is you take revenue that is for education and you go outfit the classroom and get the teacher's pay where it's supposed to be, get all the supplies they need, the latest computers, whatever, get the pe- teacher's salary at, at, a, at a, where she should she or she should be, and then what's ever left, we'll give that back to the top. Yep. Instead of it coming in that top that you're showing and never getting to the classroom, let's start the classroom, and then what's left will go back to the top. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and, of course, and now that's really, never going to happen, Yeah, yeah. but, and,
2: but in, that's in, what should happen. In, yes. in private business, too, uh, they can get top-heavy. With yep. management. Yeah. But what happens, they come in and they reorganize and they clean that out or they don't make their bottom line for their stockholders. They go out of business. Yeah. Well, see, that never happens with education. We never have that cleaning out yeah. and that readjustment. And I think there's some very good people in that. Absolutely. We know Eric Mackey very well. I, I think a lot of him. But we have got to, we're, if the money is not getting down to the classroom, which is education. Yeah. We got a problem. So we need to build a foundation and then we put the icing on the cake when we've got the cake built, not the other way, right? Yep. And but their their racket doesn't work that way
0: because no one's like our superintendents need more money. They're gonna be like, sorry. Yeah. But the teachers need more money. Oh. Right. And so but and and I think one of the things that that people need to keep an eye on is is the AEA is trying to rebrand themselves as right as Reagan, right of Reagan right now. They're coming back in. They are paying off Republicans by tens of thousands, I think like 1.68 million. We did an investigative report on it, called it strange bedfellows. The, you know, the Republicans, the new AEA, the AEA is going and buying up Republican legislators because they know the Democrats have no power. They have 45 lobbyists. I think Alabama power has seven regions has five. BCA has six. AEA has 45 and they are trying to buy their way into the Republican party pretending to, Oh no, you know, we're, we're, it's, we're not the old AA. We're the new AA. It's way different now. And then we're trying to get school choice and things like this passed And it's like, look, we can at least have the conversation. You may agree with you. You don't 70% of the people in Alabama, black, white, Republican, Democrat, whatever, want it. They want control over where their kids go to school and we can't get it. And, and, and then the people that are not passing it in the legislature are people who are getting paid 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 at a time from the AA going to to, to their campaigns. And it's just, those are the things that if the people of Alabama knew, I mean, the people are in Alabama are ready for a fight now. They're always ready for a fight. Oh, and the problem course. is they don't know where the, you know, the pee coming down the river is coming from, right? They just know that
2: the water's messed up. And they're like, what's going on? Well, there's a guy up there peeing in the river. That's- well, yeah, you got to point think, out who yeah. that is. I, I think in anything, anytime you have competition, it's good for the consumer. Yep. Education anything it's always good for the consumer it may not be convenient it may be messy at times but i think when all settles out it's that way you know i've always wondered too we have a lot of good friends at the power company and rick's brother used to work there but i've always wondered why they need lobbyists yeah where am I going to go to get yeah. my juice? You know Spe- what I mean? Especially because like the there's a monopoly. Hey, hey, right? I, like in the <laughs> I like the lights being yeah. on, okay? We like air conditioning. Yeah. But I, I don't know why we got a lobby. Yeah. Who are we lobbying against? Yeah,
1: wherever you live, don't they assign you how you get your power? <laughs> yeah. It's either power company yeah. or are they allowed some co-op.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's oh, You don't really have a choice. it. Right. Mississippi, is Mississippi trying to get in here and get our juice? Right. No, so, and they're owned by the same people. I know. So they, so yeah, that's right. Tennessee's the only threat. I've never been able to pick where the power comes from. I just like them lots. So. Yeah. Oh
0: my goodness. Well now for the more fun conversation, uh, the one that, that that I've been looking forward to. So again, in our pursuit of a free and flourishing Alabama uh, and, and what we're, what we desire to see. Um, I have had all different types and stripes of people on my podcast and we get down to it. Okay. What's the biggest problem in Alabama? What's the biggest thing that we need to fix? What's the one thing we need to fix? And without fail, Every single time, over and over and over. Now I just kind of make it a featured segment now on the podcast. <laughs> as you know, we have a manhood problem. Yeah. We we have a men problem. We have in men that aren't fathers. We have abdicating or absent fathers, uh, effeminate fathers, whatever. Uh, we have effeminate pastors, pastors who aren't preaching the whole counsel of God. Um, and and that that all boils down to a manhood problem. And so I wanted to to hear y'all's thoughts. I know that manhood ministry is a big. Big yeah, rick got tackle that head yeah.
2: on right now. Well,
1: and, and the reason why is what you said. I, I, I don't know. I just get frustrated, and Bubba knows this, sometimes to a fault because I have to at least sit down for a minute. I, it drives me up the wall for somebody to keep talking about a problem and never offer a solution. And then, I mean, that infuriates me. And, uh, hey, we've established it. We, we've talked yep, about this, this problem, problem inside outside i got kicked off of a sports board one time because i, I made so many decisions in the first 15 minutes they i was like whoa <laughs> yeah you know, it was these problems it. they've been yeah. talking about for years and yeah. i'm like well let's do something about it yeah. let's kick this team out let's get rid of that coach yeah. and so i uh, i think you're right what notice what's happening in alabama and and all, and all throughout our country and is that at one time all of us pretty much were taught that there was a, that men and women were equal, but they were not the same. Yep. And that mom had a very powerful role in the family. Yeah. Extremely powerful. But dad had a headship. Yeah. Nothing about inequality. Yeah. A headship,
0: which is biblical. Amen.
1: Okay. Just like, you know, Jesus is is equal to the father, but the father has a headship in the yep. trinity. So it doesn't mean inequality because yeah. none of us think that Jesus is inferior to the Father, right, yeah. or, 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 or the Holy Spirit's inferior to the yeah. Son, but there's a headship. It brings order. Yeah. Well, look what's happening. If anything you watch, anything you hear, it is an attack that they have taken at what was once understood that the answer to the problems usually will fall on the men of our society. That, that they're they're the answer. Let's let's bring them in. Let's bring their wisdom in, their leadership in, their strength in. But now society says, oh no, 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 no. Men are not the answer. They are the problem. Yep. And this patriarchal society that we've set up is mm. evil. It's it's oppressive. It's misogynist. And if we could get rid of men, especially the white ones, mm. <laughs> we would, we would, we would have a much better society if it was just women uh, raising their own children without the hassle of these men. Yep. And to remove men, men are violent. Men, men make trouble. They make war. And and uh, and see. So and and if you look, that is coming from the pits of hell. Yep. Is where that's coming from. That's exactly right. And we're falling for it. So. If you see the problem, what can you do? Yeah. So one of the things that 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 I thought to myself, if I've been going to church, you know, for the last, you know, I went as a boy and then I didn't go for 13 years, but when I started going to church and actually not attending church, but actually being part of the church, big difference. Yeah. I immersed myself in the yeah. in the local church, as I was instructed by Scripture to do, and started actually doing something, not just attending. I started hearing every single Father's Day the exact same thing. We've done Barner research, Bubba. The (laughs) Barner research has come in. And if the child in the house becomes a follower of Christ, there's this percentage chance that the rest of the house will follow. Y'all are laughing because you've heard it so many times. And if if the wife and the mom becomes a follower of Christ, there's about a 23% chance the house will follow. But if the dad and the father of the children, the husband becomes a devout follower of Christ and takes his role as spiritual leader, at one time it was a 93% chance the house will follow. It's down now about 78 to 83. But the second place is still a big drop from the first place. Yeah. So, and then you go into the local church, and you find that men's ministry is treated last. Yeah. I, I don't even, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Uh, and and so, wait a minute, do we believe what we say every Father's Day? Of yeah. course we do. Yeah. Well, w- what are we doing about it? Yeah. Well, i tell you what we're doing. We're funding and we're treating men's ministry dead last. Yeah. I heard someone say from the church platform recently, well, you know, it, it, the 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 church strategy is to reach the children, reach the family. That's not right. That's yeah.
2: incorrect.
1: I'd like, I'd like to see
2: the study on that Whoever
1: bit. told you that, that's not true. Barley you know, disagrees. Have a good children's ministry and you'll reach the family. No, this sorry dad, will, if he's even involved with his children, yeah. will just drop them off. He's not coming because mm. everything he sees is catered to children. Everything else he sees is catered, catered to, to women. women. Yep. And so what he says is, I have no nothing here that speaks to me, so I'm tolerating mm. the, the least amount of this as I possibly can to get back to where i feel like a man so what we what we're trying to do is we created something called Manchurch.com. yeah and Manchurch.com, you know i even had the first time before i said we well, can't call it man church i said what do you mean well you can't say man church i said we say children's church don't we <laughs> where do your kids go children's church why can't we why can't we call why can't we have services for men it's in the bible exodus 34 23 and deuteronomy sixteen sixteen. god says to moses three times a year just bring me the men I don't want to talk to anybody else. I want to talk to the men because I'm going to tell them what I expect them to do. And then they'll go back and and do it. Men and women are equal, but they're not the same. And so what we said is, well, then let's have gatherings, if you do the strategy, where men just to gather in church service that are just designed for men. Oh, you mean a men's conference. I don't mean a men's conference at all. I'm talking about a service. Yeah. You know, I love men's conferences are great, but in all all fairness, all we've done with men's conferences, even Promise Keepers, and they've admitted it, all we did is challenge men, we did not equip them. Uh, and, and and he said, he said yeah, well, we intended the local tur- church to equip them. I'm talking to Ken Harrison, yeah. who started back. He said the strategy was we would do these big, giant gatherings of men. We would inspire them. We'd holler at them. We'd challenge them. And then they would run back to the local church with a newfound love of Christ, and then the local church would disciple them. You know what he said? We grossly miscalculated that. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we've done is said, well, then let's equip the local church to reach and disciple men by providing curriculum that's designed for men. We, we high-challenge you in the services, and then we equip you in a 40-week curriculum. And we've got three 40-week curriculum. We're about to put out our fourth, and we have the resources that are designed for men. By the way, if you want to find curriculum for men, you won't find it. Yeah. Uh, you know why? There's not any money in it. Yeah. So we don't care. I have a day job. So we do it anyway. Yeah. And so, what we provide is curriculum that actually speaks to men, of how my God made a man. You cannot reach and disciple men if you keep talking to us like we're women and children.
0: Yep. We are not women and children. The songs, the music, yeah. the services, yeah. the decorations is all
2: effeminate. So, well, so
1: yeah. we actually created uh, some resources and a, a game plan to try to combat this problem.
2: Amen. Uh, I th- I think most men want to be talked to more directly Thank yeah you. and and a lot of you times our, our females our wives and whatever they, they don't really care for that approach yeah. but I think that is one of the differences and and Rick and them have done a great job with that and uh, we support them 100 percent and I think they're dead on how, how can the research say it's about the men but you not put the money a, yeah. in that area too you Yeah. Know? so it did really didn't make
1: sense well and what we normally do I, I went into a really large church when we first started. I, I researched it for about seven years trying yeah. to work on it at my local church before we re, uh, launched it national. Of course, a lot of people blame us for the pandemic. We launched March 1, 2020. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you see how much they. Main down state? with the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but anyway, <laughs> and I was talking, this was a large church, and I won't say where it was, okay? Okay. I said, let's talk about the Father's Day message. Yes, that's our Father's Day message. Okay. So tell me how it works here at the church. Let's let's talk about the budget. He said, well, we have $45,000 set aside for our children's ministry. Oh, that's great. You need to have a good children's ministry. What about youth? Uh, $50,000 for our youth. Just got a new youth pastor. He's fantastic. Okay. Uh, what about, you do you have a women's ministry? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we sell out our women's conference every year, and we've got $35,000 set aside for our women. Oh, that's great. Adult classes, you know, we're husbands and wives in yeah. class. Yes, yeah, so we've got $30,000 set aside for that. I remember the numbers. Yeah. Too. <laughs> you uh, had to tell them a few times. Yeah, there. and I said, um, so let's talk about men's ministry. His head literally went down. He started looking at the table. And I said, uh, oh, well, we don't really have much of a men's ministry. Really, you got what? what funding do you have for it? $1,200. I said, $1,200? Wow. And in my mind, he didn't say this. This is me. And this is not fair, but in my mind, because I've been to enough of them, I said this is for the prayer breakfast where yeah. we where we uncomfortably bring a football coach in. And my daddy's football coach, yeah. we uncomfortably bring in a football coach who claims to be a Christian or some athlete, yeah. and they uncomfortably tried to take their sports stories and force them down on Scripture, and then we eat and we leave. Okay, and our are the wild game feast where yeah. we have basically the same thing. That twelve hundred dollars is an honorarium for one of those people are going to come speak to the man once or twice a year. Yeah. Okay. And 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 see that doesn't that doesn't sound like we believe the message on Father's Day. Mm. And so what 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 my my wife will tell you this. My wife, your wife, we are married to powerful Southern women. Yeah. Born and bred in Alabama. Okay. Powerful Southern women. They're not pushovers. My wife will tell you. She said I watched it and I we I have four sons. She said, I watched it mainly with our sons. When they reached the age of puberty, she said, up to that point, they were maternal, and and I could tell that I had a place in their life that you didn't have. Yeah, True. She said, but right around puberty, she said, I realized that I could say, try to get their attention, and they weren't being disrespectful. They weren't hearing my voice the same yep. way anymore. Yep. My son's and 12. We're, it, we're it, right there. And she said, and then you would say something, and they turned around. And she said, I saw it in church when you and I would teach together. She goes, I would say something out of scripture, and I could tell the men weren't paying attention. And then you would say basically the same thing, and they would look up and come up and talk to you about it after it was over. Yeah. She goes, I realize that there's a male influence, especially over other males, that I just don't have. Yep. And what we're doing is, we're, we're the, these these young males do okay with their mama without their daddy to a certain age. Yeah. But then they hit an age where the where the father and the male influence it's needed the whole time. Yeah. But when they hit a certain age, it's it's it's, it's it is it's a game changer. It's necessary. And if that man does not step into their life and teach them how to be a man, then they go out and start trying to figure it out. And it, it turns into things like violence and destruction, addiction, and, and addiction because they never as it, it much channel the right. No, it, yeah. it, like a, it was James Dobson. He said if you go on death row, they went to death row, and they said ninety three percent of the people on death row have no relationship with their father, or they never knew who he was. Okay. Yeah. And and but they all had mamas. Yeah. Yeah, that's an astronomical number. Uh, and, and their
0: mamas were always were always in their
1: yes. life, but at some point it wasn't enough. Yeah.
0: So my uh, old boss, a guy named Lee Habib, he created Lori Ingram's radio show, and brilliant media guy. He always says, turning boys into men is a man's job. That's right. And so I had an experience. You guys probably don't know this. I, I was actually in prison, got saved in prison. Um, I'll tell you that story at lunch. But um, I, I mean, I, 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 that sounds like it's on podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Right. is. We, yeah. We've done it. We actually just did it last week. Okay, so, I need to go hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got saved in prison, but when I, after I got saved in prison, I worked in the chaplain's office, the chaplain's office, there's like a, a hallmark day spring, like ministry where they donate extra cards and then inmates can get a card a month or whatever. Oh yeah. And so mother's day comes first and I've never worked so hard in my life as getting all these mother's day cards right. out to all right. the inmates in this 2300 inmate prison in Sterling, Colorado, Sterling correctional facility, you know, everything, you know, It it was wild. It was literally two weeks straight, just working, 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 getting all these cards out. And so Father's Day is coming up. And so I'm getting ready. I'm getting all the cards. I've got a system now because I figured it out for Mother's Day. And we got like two kites, which is where they request something. They send a kite, like two people for Father's Day, Two. you know, or it was some, some very minimal, but it was like, oh my gosh. And it just, it it really impacted me. Yeah. And so I asked Chaplain Davis, I'm like, Hey man. And he goes, Oh yeah. Every year. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So they want, they have no relationship with their father and they pay a price for it. Yep. Man, well, um, I would love to. End. We'll put that in the show notes and stuff about y'all's um, men's ministry. Yes, yeah, it's
1: themanchurch.com. It, the, don't don't just do manchurch.com. It's
0: some guy trying to do a movie. Yeah. I tried to get the URL. He wouldn't sell it to me. So it's the <laughs> they always do the that. themanchurch.com. Themanchurch.com. <laughs> right. Got it. Well, I will get that to Ashley, and we'll get that put in the show notes. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming in. It really is uh, an honor and a privilege. I've got thank so much respect you. No, for you thank guys. thank you for and, asking me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: We appreciate that. And everything about the show,
0: rickandbubba.com. Every way to get the show known to man is on there. rickandbubba.com, yep. themanchurch.com. You guys, go there. Uh, check it out. Um, until next time, put your trust in God. And keep your powder dry.